Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to this week's recording of Redeemer Church of Knoxville's Sunday Sermon. We're really glad to have you with us because we know that there are a million different podcasts that you could be listening to right now. So we're thankful that you've chosen to spend some of your day with us. We hope that this recording will be an encouragement to you and that God, by his spirit, will use his word to remind you of Jesus' love. If you would like to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. To do that, please email us at office at redeemerknoxville.org. We also want to give a quick thank you shout out to Evie Andrus and Parker Green, who you hear playing our awesome intro and outro music here each week. Lastly, if you'd like to support Redeemer and her mission to Urban and University Knoxville, please visit www.redeemerknoxville.org and look for the little give button in the top right corner. Thank you so much, and here is this week's sermon. Well, if you have a Bible and you would like to follow along with me, you can do so by turning to Mark chapter 12. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 38 through uh, 44. You can follow along with me in your pew Bible, in your own Bible, on your smartphone, or in your bulletin. However you'd like to follow along, you can do so. Uh, We do want to welcome you to Redeemer this morning. It's great to have you with us. My name's Sean Slate, and I'm the pastor here, and we're so glad to have you because we know that there are a million different things that you could be doing this morning. For instance, you could be at home watching highlights of Josh Heupel uh, running uh, the quarterback option at Oklahoma, uh, but you're not doing that. You could be at home trying to get onto the Knox County Health Department in order to sign up for a vaccine, but you're not doing that. Uh, you could be at home trying to figure out what's gone wrong with Leeds and what's gone wrong with Man United over the last few weeks, uh, but you're not doing that. Or you could be at home continue to celebrate uh, the University of Tennessee beating Kansas last night, which was fantastic in basketball. But Right, David Sixberry, Were you there? Fantastic, right? Uh, But David has come. David's here. Well done, David. Uh, But uh, whether you're joining us this morning from our little corner here on 17th and Highland, or whether you're at home eating Eggos like Eleven from Stranger Things, uh, we really are glad. Nobody? Okay. Uh, We're really glad that you're here. And the reality is that there's really nothing better that you could do with your time uh, than worship Jesus and to consider his claims upon your life and to think about the beauty of his kingdom. So we really do want to thank you for joining us this morning. Welcome to Redeemer. What is Redeemer? Well, Redeemer's a church. And what that means is that we're a community of people who are trying to learn how to love God and we're trying to learn how to love our neighbor. And fundamentally, what we believe is that Jesus is God, he's the Messiah, and he's entered into the world uh, to die for our sins and to reveal the love of the Father. And so every week as his people, uh, we gather together in his name to worship him so that we might learn to rest in that love that God has for us in Jesus. And as we rest in his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in community. We love to go kite surfing with one another and skateboarding with one another. We love to get on the Zoom box with each other and on the phone with each other, reading the Bible, praying with one another, so that we can remind one another of the great love that God has for us in Jesus. And as we rest in his love and as we remind each other of his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in service so that together we might reflect the love of God to our family, to our friends, and to our neighbors who are here in Urban and University, Knoxville. And hopefully in some way it would spill out into the entire world, right? That's who we are. The people who are trying to learn how to love God, we're trying to learn how to love our neighbor as we rest and as we remind and as we reflect. And so to help us do that during this season of Epiphany, We are in a series on the kingdom of God as seen through the lens of the gospel 
of Mark. And so this morning, what I want us to consider is kingdom reversal, all right, kingdom reversal. So with that in mind, let's look together. Mark chapter 12, we'll be looking at verses 38 through uh, 44. And in his teaching, he said, beware the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The gospel of the Lord. Would you pray with me now for the teaching? Heavenly Father, uh, We are thankful that you are not hidden or silent, but in your mercy, you reveal yourself to us. And you've done that uh, in your word and by your spirit. And ultimately, you do this in the person and work of Jesus. And so it is our prayer that over these next few moments, as we attend unto your word, that, that you would attend unto us, that we would see lovely things of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the 80s, uh, when I was coming of age musically, I was listening to bands like Van Halen and Def Leppard and the Eagles. And uh, these bands and many other bands at the time were being accused of this thing called backmasking. And backmasking is this recording technique where a sound or a message was recorded backwards onto a track that was meant to be played forward. So for instance, if you would listen to Led Zeppelin's, right, Stairway to Heaven, if you were to play it in reverse, it said something like this, here's to my sweet Satan. Or if you were to listen to Queen's, another one bites the dust, in reverse, it would say, it's fun to smoke marijuana. Uh, even, Even our good friend Weird Al Yankovic had a song that if you played it backwards, supposedly said, Satan loves cheese whiz. Uh, Now, whether these messages were intentional or not, there was this idea floating around that that these bands were singing their songs, but if you played their songs in reverse, you would get the true meaning. In our passage, something similar is happening. Uh, Jesus is telling his disciples that while the kingdoms of this world sing their songs, the kingdom of God sings in reverse. Right? While the kingdoms of this world sing their songs, the kingdom of God actually sings in reverse. And so the way that I want us to think about this passage this morning is I want us to think about the fact that God's kingdom, or the kingdom of God, works in reverse. Okay, The kingdom of God works in reverse. Would you say that with me? The kingdom of God works in reverse. Now you might remember that Jesus had just told his disciples that the greatest commandment is to love. 
right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, right? To love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, he said. This commandment to love. And then after telling them this commandment, Jesus then took them to the temple. You see that in verse 35. And as they go into the temple, Jesus begins to teach a little bit. And he brings his disciples into the temple so that they can observe what is going on. It's the Passover week. And pilgrims have been flooding into the city of Jerusalem. They're flooding into the temple. And this city, which was normally about 50,000 residents, has swollen to probably around 250,000 people. Visitors have come into the city from all over the world. And they've come to celebrate right, God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt. And they've gathered to celebrate the formation of the kingdom of God in this world. And while Jesus sits there in the temple with his disciples, uh, they're watching the scribes and they're watching these pilgrims sort of scurry around the city and scurry around the temple. They're running from site to site. They're offering their sacrifices as they celebrate one of the most sacred weeks in the kingdom of God. And as they're watching, they see these scribes that are prancing around the temple courts in their robes. And Jesus says in verse 38, beware of the scribes. Beware of the scribes. And then in verse 43, he points out this poor old widow. And he says, beware of the scribes. But look at this woman. And by doing this, what Jesus is doing is he's pointing out the difference between those that use God and use his religion in order to serve themselves. And the woman who has come to the temple in order to give herself back to God. And by pointing out these differences, what he's saying is that the kingdom of God works in reverse. The kingdom of God works in reverse. Say that with me. The kingdom of God works in reverse. And I want you to notice uh, Jesus' warning here in verse 38. He says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. So Jesus is saying to us, beware. Uh, to beware, right? And if Jesus is going to say to us, beware, then we need to beware. We need to watch out. We need to watch out that we're not like these scribes. That we're not singing their song. That we're not following in their path. Now the problem with these scribes wasn't so much that they wore their robes. Or that they were respected or that they were honored or that they were invited to the great feasts and to the great banquets. The problem wasn't that they prayed. The problem with the scribes was that they were using the things of God to achieve and attain their own greatness. The problem with the scribes was that while their vocations and their robes and their prayers said to everyone, we love God. We love our neighbor. The reality was that they only love themselves. It was all pretense. These scribes remind me of, uh, of Epcot. 
If you've ever been to Epcot, uh, you know that Epcot is really a pretense. It's an appearance of reality, but not really reality. So you go to Epcot and you walk the Champs-Élysées, right? You drink a cup of coffee, you eat pastries under the Eiffel Tower, you sit by a river with baristas speaking French, smoking cigarettes, and uh, everything looks and smells like Paris. Uh, But you know what? It's Florida, (laughs) right? Uh, You're in Orlando, right? It's Orlando pretending to be Paris. And, and that's what Jesus is saying is going on with these scribes. The, the scribes are playing a part. The scribes are pretending, right, to love God and to love their neighbor. Uh, they're pretending that their hearts are consumed with love for God and others, when in fact their hearts are only consumed with themselves. They're consumed with the sound of their voices. They're consumed uh, with being right. They're consumed with respectability and with power. Uh, but their hearts are not consumed with a love for God and a love for their neighbor. In fact, we see that, that they are abusing the people of God. You see it in verse 40. They devour widows' houses. These, these scribes are, are using their positions of authority, right, to take advantage of the weak and of the vulnerable. And they love to have this position of power so that they control people in the name of God. And this is the way of the kingdoms of this world, right? I mean, the kingdoms of this world, they live for themselves. And ever since humanity rebelled against God, we as humanity have been trying to secure our own place in this world. We've been running from God to find our place here, trying to find our life in the things that we do and in who we are. And it seems to me as if most of us are willing to use people and to use God's gifts for our own gain. And I think, sadly, we'll do this anywhere and everywhere. A good friend of mine once said, whatever community you're in, you want to be the most impressive. Whatever community we're in, we want to be the most impressive. And whether it's in uh, baseball or in dodgeball, whether it's in uh, dancing or in the band, uh, we want to be impressive. I would assume that many of you by now have seen the documentary King of Kong. Uh, if you've watched King of Kong, it's, it's this competition to be the best Donkey Kong player in the world. And they follow all of these elite arcade game players around through arcades around the world. And, and they're interviewing these guys and they ask this one guy, they're like, how'd you get into this? And here's his response. I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to be the center of attention. I wanted the glory. I wanted the fame. I wanted the pretty girls to come up and say, hi, I see that you're good at centipede. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that, right? And, uh, and here's the point. Uh, it seems to me that we'll use anything uh, to give us a sense of significance and meaning in this world. Uh, whether it's centipede or whether it's a clerical collar. And sadly, oftentimes, as we go through this life in which we live, um, there's this temptation as we go about the world to feel unimportant and insignificant. And when we feel powerless, when we feel insignificant at home, uh, when we feel powerless and insignificant at work, when we feel powerless and insignificant in the culture in which we find ourselves, it is easy for people to run to the church and to run to the church to try to make a name for themselves. 
Because if I can't be powerful out there, maybe I can be powerful in here. And this is the way in which the kingdoms of this earth tend to intrude upon the kingdom of God. I can't be powerful there, but maybe I can here. And we come into the church bringing our longing for respectability and power and success. And we try to bend the people of God to fill us up. Do you see what Jesus is condemning here? He's saying that rather than pouring uh, our, ourselves out in love, we have this tendency to consume people for our own love. And I would venture to say that if we were to study church history closely, and if we were to examine many of the conflicts that are in our own lives, it's very possible that ego, rather than error, is at the heart of many of our conflicts. That ego, rather than error, is at the heart of many of our disputes with one another. And Jesus is saying to us, beware. He says, beware. It's a warning. And what's the warning? Verse 40. They will receive the greater condemnation. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus is saying to us that those who consume God's people, rather than love and serve God's people, will have no place in his kingdom. Jesus is saying that those who live for their own glory will not receive his glory. And there's this pragmatic reality to our lives that if, if our chief love is ourselves, if your chief love is you, in the end you will find yourself alone. And I think that this is one of the things that's really fascinating about the culture in which we live because we live in this culture that is demanding that everyone love us and serve us. And we get angry when they don't love and serve us. And at times we get violent when people don't love us and serve us. But in all of our demands to be loved, how many of us are making it a priority to love? In all of our demands to be loved, how many of us are making it a priority to love? And what I want you to see here is that the kingdom of God works in reverse. Right? Or as Yoda might say, in reverse, the kingdom of God works. Right? In reverse, the kingdom of God works. Would you say that with me? Indulge me, please. In reverse, the kingdom of God works. And what I mean by that is that the kingdom of God does not consume others in order to be loved. Rather, the kingdom of God pours itself out because it is already loved. If y'all are like me, as you think about this text and you think about what you would have been witnessing there in the temple, uh, you would have wanted to be a scribe. <laughs> like you would have wanted the robes. You would have wanted the power, the prestige, the respectability. You would have wanted the honor. But you probably wouldn't have even noticed the widow, much less wanted to be her. But here's the deal. The reality behind the scribes was that they were really just insecure. They're insecure running around trying to prove that they are worthy of being loved. And they thought that their value was found in their success. If, if you've seen Ted Lasso, uh, you, 
you know that Ted Lasso was an American football coach. He goes over to the UK to be a British football coach. And he's coaching this team, Richmond AFC or something like that. Yeah, Richmond AFC. And on the team, uh, there's a player named Roy. And Roy has been one of the greatest players in the EPL ever. But he's now old. And his talent is waning. He's lost a step. And as the season goes on, he's really afraid that he's going to lose a starting spot on the team. And so one night, he and his girlfriend, Keely, are talking and he's telling her about how afraid he is. And he says, all I've ever known is football. All I've ever been good at is football. It's who I am. And if I don't have football, who am I? And Keeley uh, calls over to Roy's niece, Phoebe, and he says, Phoebe, come here. Uh, close your eyes. I want you to tell me about your uncle Roy. And Phoebe closes her eyes, she's got this big smile, she's missing the front tooth, and, and she says, well, he's my uncle. His beard is scratchy. He cusses a lot. And I love him. And here, here's the point. I think sometimes we need to have everything stripped away so that we can know that we're actually loved. When there's nothing left, right? When, when everything fails, when, when your money fails, when people fail, when success fails, when your body fails, when your job fails, when you fail, like who are you? When you have nothing, who are you? The gospel tells you that you are loved by God. And to be loved by God is more important than any fame or fortune or honors that this world might place upon you. So notice in verse 41, Jesus is sitting there and he's watching these people come throughout the temple. They're giving their money and uh, they're giving in order to show, right, as a response for their love for God. And when they came into the temple to give their money, you remember at the time that they're not writing checks. There weren't checks then. And they're not Venmoing, you know, the priest. Um, what they're doing is they're pulling out bags of metal coins. They're coming in with their bags and their metal coins and they're placing their metal coins in these metal trumpets that are placed on the wall that are collecting uh, the money. And when you would drop your coin in, you could hear the weight of the coin, whether it was a big coin or a little coin. And you would hear the number of coins, ding, 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 you know, as they would hit. And everybody would know what you had given. And it was impressive. I mean, rich pilgrims were coming from around the world. They'd saved up, right, to give to the temple. In fact, Jesus sees this, verse 41. He says, many rich people put large, put in large sums. But that's not what impressed Jesus. I want you to notice what impressed Jesus. What impressed Jesus was this widow and her two copper coins. These two copper coins would have been about 164th of a daily wage. For some of you, that's three cents. For others of you, it may be a dime. I don't know what you make. The 164th of her daily wage. And Jesus says, Beware the scribes, but look at her. 
He says, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. If you were to read the text in Greek, literally it says that she put in her life. See, she came to the temple not to receive the applause of man, but she came to the temple to give her life back to God. And what I want you to see here is that the kingdom of God works in reverse. That the kingdoms of this world are running away from God to find themselves. But the kingdom of God is running back to him. And the only way that this is going to happen is if the spirit of God works in us a deep trust and a deep belief that God is truly good and that God actually loves us. Here's the reality. We all want to be loved. We all want to be powerful. We all want to be important. We all want to be significant. We all want to be relevant. We want to be... But the question is this. Where will you actually find it? Where will you actually find it? And the kingdoms of this world are saying, if I'm successful, then I'll be loved. If I'm rich, then I'll be safe. If I'm powerful, then I'll have control. And God is saying, no. All those good things, safety and love, they can only be found in him. And when this woman has lost everything, her husband, her protector, her provider, she now has the privilege of knowing that God actually loves her. Not because of who she's connected to, not because of what she can do, not because of what she has, but that she's loved by him. This has been a hard year for some of you. And I've had the privilege to walk with many of you. And for many of you, this year has stripped everything away. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have lost people that you loved. Some of you have lost your reputation. Some of you have lost your spouses. And some of you have lost your children. And there's some of you that I've been walking with over these last five years who thought you had the world figured out. And you love to mentor people to tell them how the world really works. And what you found in this world is that you had no idea. What you found in this world is that you've actually lost. And it would be very easy to listen to the songs of the world that tell you that in your losing, you're a failure. It would be very easy for you to listen to the world and say, God doesn't love me, or God has forgotten me, that God doesn't see me. But I want you to look at this widow. Because I think this widow gives you the privilege of seeing things differently. Maybe this widow is a reminder to us that all we ever really had was him anyway. 
All we ever had was him. And maybe what Jesus wants from each and every one of us is that we would rest in him and not in our success. That we would rest in him and not our riches. That we would rest in him and not having everything together. And maybe what he wants us to do is just give our lives and faith to him that he actually loves us and he'll care for us and he'll provide for us. That's what life in the kingdom is all about. It's about him. But so many of us, we want to die and we want to be able to say to God, look at everything I've accomplished. Look at all that I've accomplished. And in this text, what Jesus is saying to us is, I really don't care. I want you to look at this widow. And here's the deal. Uh, If you begin to live for the kingdom of God, it will make no sense in this world. I mean, why would you ever forgive somebody who hurt you? And they get ahead and you fall behind. Why would you forgive them? Why would you ever give money away? Why would you give your sexuality back to God? Why would you give your family back to God? Why would you give your dreams, your hopes, your desires? Why would you give your enemies to him? The only way you would ever do this is if you truly believe that God loves you more than you love yourself. It's the point of the gospel. That God would enter into this world and he would give his life for you so that you might have all things in him. That's what the table is about, and so let's go and let's talk about it. You know, as we come to this table, I mean, this is what we see, is that the kingdom of God works in reverse, that little cups of wine and little pieces of bread actually are meaningful, that this is where life is found. We'll leave these doors in a few minutes, we'll go out into the world, and the world is going to say, succeed, prove yourself, make more, do more. And in everything we do throughout our lives, we have to produce, we have to provide, we have to come with something in our hands. But in the kingdom of God, we come with nothing. And we come with nothing because God has everything. And he invites us to come to him so that he might fill us. Do you remember that he who was rich became poor so that for our sakes, through his poverty, we might become rich? God gives us everything. And he gave his body, he gave his blood, which means he gave his life for you and for me. And so he invites you to stop running to find love, to stop running to find your value, to stop running to find your significance, and to come to him where it is all found. You see, the kingdom of God works in reverse. Would you say that one last time with me? The kingdom of God works in reverse. Therefore, I invite you to rise and to lift up your heart.